Let's see. I, I think we'll just start with, I'll ask her a question, and then um, Hannah has a microphone, and she's going to be traveling around if anybody has a question. The traveling microphone. Hey, we're going to be competing with a microphone. This is fun. Oh. We could do a duet. <laughs> All right. Um, you had mentioned that um, how important it was for you to memorize scripture. I was wondering if you memorized by topic or by a passage, how you did that. <sighs> um, people ask if I have a particular plan, um, you know, because there's a lot of Bible reading and there's a lot of memorization plans. I cannot say that I do. However, what normally began to happen is that as I became a new Christian, especially because I had been in the occult, there was a lot of garbage in my mind, and so I um, was discipled by two people, one who was a Hebrew Christian, who taught me the importance of God's Word. And so I would write down, if I was struggling in a particular area, whether it was morals, whether it was anger, whether it was, um, you know, a right view or, or understanding God's love for me, suffering, and I would begin to go through the scriptures and I would find usually it was a, it was a passage of scripture like First Peter. And I would start to memorize and dwell on it and I would walk through it, I would write it down, and literally I would walk through the, you know, the, the apartment, it wasn't a house back then, you know, and just start memorizing it and quoting it until it became a part of me. And, uh, you know, ag again, with the trials that God brought for the first seven years, I was saved at 22, I met my husband and then was married right before I was 27, and up until, at that point, I was not a surrendered Christian. I, I, I still was living, I had a, a feminist mindset, that's what I was raised, you know, not raised with, but what I embraced in, in San Francisco and going to school there. So um, the Lord brought me to a place of full surrender in 1993 uh, using Luke 14. And, uh, you know, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So from then, I started again taking passages of Scripture and particular topical areas and just committing them to memories, like Romans 8. Uh, I would work through that and, and just go over it and over it and over it and over it. And when I noticed that it really was starting to change me, that when I was struggling, the first thing that would pop into my head would be Scripture. And, you know, for instance, as soon as I got the news of my husband's um, suicide and the panic and then the, the, the thoughts and then almost immediately Scripture that I had memorized, a lot of it on the character of God, Second uh, Chronicles 20, and the Lord would, the Spirit of God would bring that. And so I don't have a per se plan, except that uh, I do make it a practice to go through the scriptures every single year. I use different plans for that. Um, as much as possible, I try and read five Psalms a day. So if I, for instance, if it's the third, I'll read three, and then 33, 63, 93, and then 30 after that. I've divided Psalm 119 up into several passage portions so that I try and go through that three times a month and then a proverb every day, and then other things depending on, on what God is doing, what our pastor's teaching. So again, I've just found that God's word is my, is my life. It's the only way I survive, ladies. When people ask me, why do you memorize so much scripture? It is the only way I've survived. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for his word and the sweetness of the fellowship, I, I, I would not be here. I can say that very clearly. I would not be here. Um, 
it has been his word which is as literally sings to me and there were nights that I would just cry and agonize and I would I would just hold on to God's word and I know it's it's a book but it's a living book and I would just uh, I would just say Lord um, sing from your word and and just scripture after scripture would come to me and then um, I could see myself going from you know so I use the old style I would just Lord what are the areas I need to grow and um, what are areas that that I'm struggling take a bunch of scriptures and study Bibles make that a lot easier Um, and then I would just commit him to memory. Now, in my case, because of the ministry God's called me to in speaking, many of the churches I go to request, um, they still love the old King James, and so they say, can you memorize from that, or can you use that? So that is what I memorize from almost exclusively. Uh, Do I use other translations? Absolutely. Okay, our pastor uses the ESV. I have a NASB at home. I have my new King James, but for memory... Um, it's cute because our past, you know, they'll, they'll want us to memorize from the ESV, and I have to honestly say to them, I says, I'm sorry. I'm, uh, in this case, it would be very difficult. We talk about that in psychology, the, the interference, because I'm already memorized it, and that will, you know, me- mess me up, and many churches have asked, and I defer. So that's just a comical type of thing. Um, so that's good. Does anybody have a question for her? Up there. Let you think about it. I have one that was submitted here. Uh, what advice would you give to help a teenager grieving the loss of her father? Okay. Did you all hear that? Um, death, death is, I mean, the Bible t- talks about the last enemy to be destroyed. You know, uh, death is an enemy. It's, it's, we know, we understand as believers that it's separation, that it's not, you know, it's not final, that the absence, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But for us, we're physical beings. We know we will not see that person again on this earth. And um, when my husband died and my children were trying to grieve the loss of a dad, and yet uh, under very difficult circumstances, um, one of the things I said is it's, it's okay to grieve. In other words, that's a process that you have to go through of, of, of grieving. In Scripture, they grieved, okay? They, they wept. They grieved. Now, I don't know if you say, okay, your 30 days are up, <laughs> okay, like they did in the Bible, but there is a process where you go through and you grieve, and what I try to do with my own children and with others who are grieving is I said, you know, you have to go through the process, but through all of that, you have to saturate yourself with, okay, Lord, and this is hard for teenagers, okay, for, for young people, because they're still trying to filter so many things and learn so many things, and, you know, the body's changing so much. And I tried to always bring my children back and others. I says, okay, let's look at this from what does the Scripture say? What does God say, okay? Um, when there was loss, when there was death, how do we see this from God's point of view, as much as possible from the scripture, and is this hopeless? We grieve, but not as those who have no hope. So I would ask them, are you angry? Um, Yes. Are you uh, becoming bitter? Because I would notice, you know, it's not fair. His father's alive. His father's alive. His father's alive. They have two parents. It's not fair. And trying to help them understand what, you know, in God's word, it says life is not fair. Okay, life is hard, but I had to say the Lord says these are his promises and I'm going to choose to believe them. 
and as the parent, I continually, you know, when my children would just cry, sometimes we would just cry together and I would hold them, but they would say, I want to get so angry, Mommy, I want to get so angry, and I said, Honey, I understand that, but if we choose to go down that path, it's only going to bring you greater heartache. And, you know, so I would again just say, I constantly would just talk with them as I said, this is what God has done. This is what the Lord has done. And they say, but I don't understand. And one of the greatest analogies I heard was when a pastor said this, and of course, all analogies fail with the Lord, but he said, our trying to figure out the ways and works of God is like asking an ant to explain the complexities of the internet. And I thought, can you imagine looking at an ant and saying, now, can you explain to me all this? And of course you think, well, that's ridiculous. It's, it's not possible. I said, exactly. I said, we, we don't see everything. And one of the things I did say to them is, I said, when, if you were watching Jesus on the cross and he was so marred he didn't even appear human and you saw him dying and beaten, can you, I said, would you ever think that anything good could have come out of that? And I remember, you know, I've, I've talked to young people and my own kids, and they said, well, no. I said, no, because we only see this. But what did God bring out of that? I said, through all that suffering and death, God provided the salvation of the world. So it says, there is, we live here. This is the mini story. There is so much more going on that we don't see. And as a chemistry teacher, I had the privilege, and my kids, I had my kids, um, not all of them, in class, and I would say, okay, now, um, watch this. And they would say, you know, um, I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything happening. I don't see anything happening. Uh, and then I would say, but does that mean nothing is happening? And all of a sudden, they would see a change after several minutes. And they would say, oh, I says, now, you didn't see anything happening, but there were things going on you couldn't see. I says, God is always working. I don't pretend to understand why the Lord chooses some of the things that he does. I don't. I don't, you know, we have a former student from Northland who is uh, in her 30s. She has two children, her husband, or no, I'm sorry, one child, her husband. She's on her third round with cancer, and the chances are this one's going to take her. Do I understand that? No. But she's solid, and she knows and, and can share and say, but I, I have to go back to I know his way is perfect. So it, it goes back to, how do I grieve? I grieve, I ag Lord, this hurts, this hurts, but we cry out in desperation, help me, help me. And I always told, tell young people, I says, God wants to use your pain to help others. There is a very hurting world. Mm -hmm. So if you will let him and you will choose to trust him, he can use you to be the balm and the, the comfort for so many that others who couldn't possibly, couldn't understand. They can, they can sympathize, but they can't empathize. So I always try and bring them back um, to truth, but I let them grieve and agonize. And it is an agony. It is an agony. I cannot put it any other way. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to, you know, to agonize and to feel that the pain is, is it's horrible. It's sin. Uh, uh, we, are, we are sinful beings. We were created. This wasn't the way things were intended to be. And, you know, I mean, Jesus wept when Lazarus had died, even though he was going to raise him from the dead. Um, now, you know, some believe he wept because he was angry that some weren't believing, but still, it hurts. 
but pain is part of God's plan, and he uses it. And so, you know, again, it's a, it's a process, and, and one that takes a lot of time and a lot of patience. So, I think John Piper said, God is always doing a thousand things, and we may be aware of just one. Right. But he's always working. He's always using our pain. Yeah. All right, does anybody have a question? Go ahead, Susie. When your husband dies, whether it's instant or a slow process, a part of you dies with him. And you will never be the same in that respect. Perhaps, uh, you know, when, when the realization that Jeff was gone and I was in shock because of the way that it happened, but um, I, I said, Lord, um, help you know that was often my prayer but the Lord brought me to so many scriptures um, about his care okay I was amazed how many scriptures there were of the widow how he enlarges the border and he relieves uh, the fatherless and the widow I mean there were so many scriptures that I had never been aware of and also that he was the God of all comfort and you know, who comforts us, and I would say, Lord, I need your comfort, and the Lord would just continually, uh, I remember sitting in bed, and, and I would wake up, and like any wife will do, I went to do this, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm and the realization, because I'd been dreaming about Jeff, and we were having conversations in my dreams, and I'd wake up, and I'd sit here, and I thought, he's gone, and it was a horror, and then all of a sudden, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Because I was frightened. And then, um, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me up upon a rock. And God would just again bring scripture, and I would just sit back on my bed, and the Lord would just minister to me from his word. In the little book, Help, I'm a, Wid um, I'm a Single Mom, I do have a lot in there about the journey of becoming a widow. That was the book they asked me to write, the little one, but there's a lot in there of the scripture of how the Lord ministered to me as a widow. And over time, you know, day after day, I would, in all honesty, I would have one good day and, and nine bad days. I mean, just struggling. And I remember a very godly woman came to me who had lost her husband actually she'd lost two husbands kind of like Elizabeth Elliot and was uh, you know and she said you will smile again I didn't think I ever would she said you will laugh again and she said it will get better and at the time <laughs> not gonna happen you know but um, God would use 
people. And Northland was a tremendous bomb at that time, B-A-L-M, you know, because God used the people uh, to minister. And that's where you ladies in your local churches, okay, that's where the body of Christ steps in. You say, well, I've never been through that. You don't have to be through it. Okay, you'd be surprised what presence communicates. Just being there. I remember one of the sweetest things that happened to me is I was sitting there and I was in so much pain and one of the ladies, she didn't say a word to me. She just came, took me into her arms and just held me and I just, and that meant the world to me. So um, on the journey you're on, Again, I mean, I have so many scriptures that I could give you. The Psalms were powerful. Um, I also spent a lot of time in 2 Corinthians, okay? Um, Chapter 4. I found that, chapters 4 and 5, to be a tremendous encouragement in Romans chapter 8. And, you know, even back to Psalm 73, you you know... um, the Bible, when he, where he says that um, you have, you shall guide me with my count, with your counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth I desire. I've gotten that out of order, but I would just again, I would cry out and I would say, Lord, I need you to minister and to speak to me, or I will not survive. And the Lord always did. He still does. He still does. You know, people say, do, do you ever reach a point where you do not feel pain? No, I will feel pain until the day God takes me home. Mm-hmm. But God never wastes pain. Mm-hmm. And that's what I found is that he uses that pain to help me empathize because now the Lord's given me a ministry at Cornerstone uh, where we have women who've lost their husbands and, and uh, boy, it's like a radar, you know, and uh, I'm thankful. And I also remember what my daddy told me when I asked him how you survived the war. He was a medic. And I said, Daddy, how, how did you do it? He had people dying all the time. Marred. You know, I mean, he saw horrible things. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Carol, he says, we were fighting for something that we believed was absolutely right. In other words, the America... And I thought, we are, we are in a battle, and we know the victory, of course, is there. But the uh, one thing he said is he said, we, we knew we weren't home. He said, we lived for the day when one day we would go home on American soil. And I said, That's, that helped me as I had to keep saying, this is temporary. Mm-hmm. And I will be home, and this pain will end, and in, I will see you again. And so... Um, Again, it's just a crying out and and looking up in the scriptures that talk about widows and suffering and loss. There's a lot of them. And let them, let God minister to your soul. Let God minister to your soul. And he does a wonderful job of it. I can say that. That's good. Um, Our ministry here at Colonial is called the Together Team Ministry because we need each other. Mm -hmm. And we do life together. So if we can come alongside each Mm -hmm. other even if we don't understand each other's pain, but we have the ministry of presence. Thank you. Terry?
Right, right, right. Well, clearly that's, that's against Scripture, okay? If you're a believer, you, the Bible is very clear, okay, that those, uh, you know, that's not, those are, are not, you're not seeing the person, okay? Um, the attraction for me as an unsaved person is that I was desperately empty, okay? And um, again, Scripture teaches um, in Jeremiah, it says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. And because we were created for God, and there is, you know, when, because we're sinful, there's that vacuum, and you're going to seek for anything or anyone who will try and fill that void. Now, nothing's going to work, because only God can satisfy the soul. But I was intrigued by some of the things they could do or say on the, the supposed powers. Plus, I was involved with a lot of people who were into drugs, okay? And, and drugs, um, you know, some of those things are definitely a lot of the, the symptoms, hallucinogenic, that type of thing. So I was attracted to that. And, and that kind of thing, the idea of being able to contact and, and do that kind of stuff was a way that I was trying to use to fill that void of that emptiness. Some people who are suffering loss say, I just want to see my, my daughter or whatever else. Um, again, it's a deceit. It's a delusion. It's a, it's, a, it's a lie from the enemy. All of it is. And you open yourself up to that, and that is very serious you know, very, very serious, because have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, reprove them, and, you know, we, we don't wrestle against, the Bible says flesh and blood, and talks about those principalities, those powers, and um, when I got saved, there were some, you know, I thought I was going crazy, and thankfully, I had some godly people and a pastor who taught me and said, you know, you used to belong to the enemy, now you belong to the Lord, and I learned the power of God's word, but Empty people will seek for anything, and especially if they're, you know, they're grieving the loss of, of someone that they love, and they're, they've been lied to, that, that that's going to bring her back, which is a lie. Again, that's where you have to pray that God will open their eyes. I mean, I pray scripture. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who believe not, and so I pray that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine unto them. And that's where I'm always going to go back to. I'm going to go back to, if I'm dealing with this person, I'm going to go back to the gospel, okay? And pray for wisdom and opportunities and pray specifically that the Lord would open the eyes of that individual and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. So I often pray scripturally and for opportunities, but the greatest need there um, is, is salvation, is the gospel in that respect. I don't know if that helps, but <coughs> it does. All right. <coughs> Anybody else? Mm -hmm. Yes, right here. Do you have a website or a blog 
I used to, when I was at uh, Northland, I had a website because I traveled a lot. When I moved to Guam, which is 10,000 miles away, that obviously I wasn't going to be making, a, you know, hopping and skipping a jump because now it's a 30 hours <laughs> instead of four hours. So all of that went by the wayside, per se. And uh, then I, um, in 2015, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and uh, you know, it's how God has worked. I've been five years now, and I'm clear. Um, they still watch you like a hawk, which is a good thing, but it has just been recently that with uh, the passing of my mother, which was a grievous thing, but now the Lord has enabled me with that to retire fully in May, and um, my house is paid for in full, and so I, as a widow, I can give myself fully. So I've had people who've asked that. Um, that's probably once, once I'm done, I'm still helping out at Killian. Uh, something I've asked people who've said, can you take all the stuff that you wrote in Women of the Bible and put that into book form uh, later? You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, basically that, you know, I probably could do that. I would need help. I'm not a techie, okay? I'm as dumb as they come when it comes to technology. Uh, you know, my children, two of my three, have helped me in that respect, but I can learn, you know, but... Um, um, that's something that people have said, would you consider? Perhaps, you know, I just have to make sure that, I never want to draw attention to self. I mean, so many blogs are just people's, you know, this, this, and this, and, and the goal that I've always prayed and had is I said, Lord, in everything that is done, and I've failed at this oftentimes, but I've said my goal is to exalt Christ and to exalt his word and to be an encouragement to ladies, never to, to make the focus on anything other than the Lord, who he is and what he's done. So that would be the focus, you know, so. All right. How about two more questions? But I can ask a question while you're thinking. Okay. Um, I, I talked to you about this yesterday, Carol. Um, I noticed that you're wearing your wedding rings, and I wanted you to comment on that. And I also wanted to ask you if you believe that Jeff was a believer. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, for a while after my husband died, I did wear them, and then for years I took them off. And, um, you know, again, well, you're not married anymore. I says, that is true. And people would sometimes say, do we call you Miss Trahan, Mrs. Trahan? And I said, well, I believe, I said, I was Miss Willette. I said, I am not Miss Trahan. I am Mrs. Trahan. <laughs> and so it was always, it was just a funny thing. But, um, you know, sometimes people say because of the sin that my, sins that my husband committed, they said, but he was an evil man, he was a wicked man, and I said, excuse me. I said, so was his wife. Sometimes we tend to think that the sins that, you know, and immorality, especially in the case of, of um, um, certain types, are worse than others, but God hates sin, and my sins of not being submissive, of being angry, in the world there are consequences that are graded, but I realize that I am such a sinful person, and I will never forget, um, after Jeff was confronted, for a couple of days he, he said, no, I didn't do this, I didn't do this. But I will never, it was a, it was a Thursday morning at 4.30, and I came out October 6th, and I noticed he was on his knees praying, and he had a very clear testimony of salvation, of how God had saved him. And I didn't think much of it. I went back into the bedroom, and he came in, and he woke me up. 
and he said, Carol, I can't do it anymore, he says, and he was a broken man. This was a man who, when I met, would spend an hour in prayer, and uh, we would sit together and pray, and that's what I was so enthralled about. I thought, whew, you know, and he said, it's all true. He says, I have shamed my Lord. I have shamed you. I have shamed my children. He says, I am, and he described what he believed he was. He says, I'm the dirt of the dirt. I'm better off dead. He says, I've been up all night seeing how to end my life. And, I mean, it felt like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that I can describe, because he'd already been accused, and he said, no, 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 and, and you, you desperately want to believe. Um, love bears all things, believes all things, but when the evidence comes out, and I said, you know, you, you can't do that, and then he asked me to say, he said to me, he says, will you forgive me? And when I realized how much I have been forgiven and how sinful I am, all of us are, and I don't know, you might want to say, Lord, help me to see the depths of how sinful I am apart from your grace. I said, who am I to not forgive you? And he said, are you going to leave me? And I said, I am your wife. Now, there were legal ramifications. I did have to remove the kids from the home. But I said, I am your wife, and I am not, I'm not going to divorce you. Now, that was all grace, uh, but over the next few days, he talked to the pastor, and he talked to a lawyer. He was facing up to 40 years in prison, and he, he said to me, he says, I think you'd be better off. If, you know, he, he really believed if he ended his life, but sometimes people say, could he have been saved? Well, ladies, I, I'm a firm believer that the blood of Christ covers all sin. Okay, and sometimes people say, well, he couldn't confess. Well, let's say I go out there and I lose my temper and I get really, really mad and angry and I've sinned against the Lord and on the way to the airport I get killed. So does that mean I'm not going to heaven because I didn't get a chance to confess? Okay. I do believe Jeff was a believer. Uh, I've had some people say, well, he couldn't have been. <laughs> I said, well, I said, one thing I do know, I said, shall not, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I said, I do believe firmly that my husband was a believer he had been up almost the entire night, um, and he called a missionary to Thailand and spent, the, and, and I remember the missionary told me, he says, he was saying, how could I have done this and still be a believer, and walked through all of it, but Jeff had convinced himself that we would be better off without him, and he even said, he says, you know, if you can just, you know, my dad will help you financially, and you can make it three years, and by then you'd be remarried. That was his thinking. Now, God had a very different plan. But uh, I do believe my husband was saved, and I chose, you know, when I realized, and I believe that God has called me to be a widow, and that this is a ministry, because it does give me complete freedom as a retiree and not having a house payment, and now I'm able to live off my husband's Social Security. So at 60 years old, I found out that I can get his Social Security at 70%, which is far more than what I would get if I retired at 67 <laughs> in full employment. So I said, you know, I just, now that I've chosen um, and believe this is what God has called me to be, and uh, I've chosen, I says, you know, I'm going to go ahead, and they're still precious to me, uh, the rings, so that's why I've chosen to wear them. They were a reminder to me of the fact that my husband is still providing for me financially in that respect, and that 
um, God used many of the things from the heartache to help others. And um, my oldest daughter, Sarah, has very much, in many ways, uh, my husband's personality because Jeff was known to everybody as the sweetest man. And he was. People would describe him. They said, your husband is just sweet. I said, he is. And uh, now his wife wasn't, but, uh, you know, but uh, so in many ways, I often look at Sarah and I says, you're a good reminder to me of how the sweetness of your daddy. And so that, that is why, you know, it's good, good memories. And um, so I'm, to, um, you know, I haven't forgotten the sin, but we've learned from it. So. All right. Last chance. Anybody else? All right. Let's see. I don't think I have anything else. Oh, I did want to ask you what your ministry was like right now in your local church, but I think you touched on that, so maybe. I just, again, we have um, a lot of ministries to hurting women and uh, just serving, whether it's in the choir and and leading in uh, a life studies group and um, uh, the adult Bible fellowships. We have several of those, but I just love serving there and um, serving the ladies there in any way that I can. Even, even the moms, you know, hey, have, have a date night with your husband, I'll take your kids, you know. So uh, just it's a neat thing that uh, the Lord has allowed me the, the privilege at this stage, much like the widow, and it says if she's, you know, brought up children, if she's done this, this, and this, and, I, and now God has given me the privilege to do that and travel. And so I'm just, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it, I'm loving it. It's, I'm very thankful, you know, until he takes me home. So, but. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and pray and thank the Lord and bless, um, that the Lord would bless Carol. Clumsy. <laughs> How did I do that? Well, never mind. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Clumsiness right. is a way of life. <laughs> I think we'll just end in prayer and then you all can, can be dismissed. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Lord, we're so thankful for this time. Thank you for Carol Trahan, Lord, and for Oh, just using her today in our lives to show us the glory of Christ, that your word is powerful, that the word of your testimony in the life of someone who trusts you and is willing to obey you and to surrender to you, Lord, is so powerful that we would be encouraged to grow and to change and to love you. Lord, Mm -hmm. I pray that you would increase our love for you. Lord, I pray that we would follow you and that we would be grounded in the scriptures so that when we are tempted to complain or to worry or to fear um, or to sin, Lord, that your word would constrain us Mm -hmm. and the love of Christ would compel us to do what's right. So thank you, Lord, for this time. And bless Carol as she flies back home and ministers in her local church tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.